I just met you Seems like yesterday You opened up your eyes And I recognized your face You know that you're the one That we've been waiting for We're gonna keep you safe First time I held you in my arms I knew I'd love you all the way I took you in at night Another day has passed Every week goes by a little faster than the last It wasn't so long ago We walked together and you held my hand now you're getting too big to want to But I hope you'll always understand That I'm always gonna lift you up And I'm never gonna let you down No matter what you do I'm forever proud of you Love you forever now Through your ears I hear it Through your eyes I see A world full of magic Full of possibilities You know as well as anybody How tough this life can be You've got so much strength inside you A strength I pray you'll never need And I'm always gonna lift you up And I'm never gonna let you down Time flies by Hope you realize that I Love you forever now I'm always gonna be right here Always gonna cheer you on I'm always gonna have you back You're never gonna be alone And I'm always gonna lift you up No, I'm never gonna let you down No matter what you do, I'm forever proud of you. Love you forever now. I love you forever now. All right, turn the lights up. Let's see whose tear ducts are working. I told Amy I was going to use that video, and she said, you're going to try to make everyone cry. I said, yeah, but here's the thing. My oldest daughter turned 13 yesterday, so it kind of backfired on me a little bit there, right? I can't, I'm kind of wrestling with that. She was one when we came here, uh, which is, is crazy, and she's 13 now. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we are in a series called Songs in the Key of Love, and we're looking at different songs and kind of using those as jumping off points to examine some biblical truths about love and some things that we can use to kind of shape and form 
how we love and how we live ultimately. And that is the song Forever Now by Michael Buble. I'm a big Michael Buble fan. And some of you are like, well, that's not cool. If that's not cool, I don't want to be cool, all right? Because he is the man and he is awesome live and I love a lot of his music. And man, that song, uh, that song gets me. First time I held you in my arms, I knew I'd love you all the way. And what I want to look at today is the love of a parent. Here's the main point, and then we'll kind of explain it a little bit more. The main point is to make the most of the limited time that you have with your children to make a positive, lasting impact on their lives. And that's real direct, but I want you to know, I understand here too, that some of you today, you're here and you're like, well, this is cool, I'm not a parent, right? So what do we do? Or maybe your kids are all grown up. I want you to know the biblical principles in this message I think will apply well to the relationships that you have with your nieces and your nephews in life, for the grandchildren that you're investing in, to the kids that you are impacting. Whoever the kids are, in your circle that you are trying to impact. I think it will apply. So don't check out, right? Don't, don't check Wordle. If you haven't done that, definitely don't check Hurdle because that's loud. And some of you are like, what is Wordle and Hurdle? I have no idea. The most cliche thing, before I had kids, I said, man, the most cliche thing is everyone with kids talks about how fast it goes all the time. You're like, man, I can't believe it. Can't believe they're 13. Can't believe they're this. I'm like, why? It was 13 years. Like, where did you see that going, right? The most cliche thing that happens. And you hear the thing, the days are long and the years are short. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get in the middle of it. Right? And you realize, you realize the reason everyone says that all the time is because it is mind-bendingly fast. It goes by so, so quickly. I still remember uh, the moment where it really hit me that this was a limited thing and we were running out of time. It was at Disney World in 2017. It's my Disney World meltdown. Listen, there's a bunch of meltdowns at Disney World trip, but this one was mine. Uh, because the last day we had been there, like it's an exhausting week, right? And we're there and we're there. They do the fireworks and stuff. And I'm not like a super emotional person. I am about my kids and, you know, some other things. But I got choked up during the fireworks. And I was like, are they pumping some kind of gas in here that makes me emotional and then we got back to the hotel and Amy who's even less emotional than I am sometimes was like same thing happened to me I was getting choked up and in the hotel I was like Amy listen Grace had just turned eight the other girls were five and three I said we're running out of time she's eight that means we have 10 February breaks left 10 trips where we're guaranteed she can come before she's like oh my college doesn't have that break or I have bio lab or whatever other excuse she's going to come up with so we're running out of time we want to take them to California we want to go on a cruise we want to go to Mexico and I had that moment where I was like our kids are basically grown up now again they're eight five and three but that was the moment that it really hit me so I have this this visual illustration here and these are for my kids and you see my beautiful daughters back there and some of you are like man you such beautiful kids and you guys are the ones that don't know my wife right like beautiful girls uh, and very glad for that so these are visual illustrations and they won't apply directly to you unless you happen to have the same age kids that I do and actually some of you do but it'll give you a ballpark this is 494 marbles this is for Emerson my third grader on the right uh, she man if you meet her in the lobby you'll remember it I will say that. 494 marbles. So if I take one of these out every weekend, when we get down to high school graduation, it will be empty. That's four. Oh, I almost got rid of that one. That was almost this weekend. That's 494. Kinsley is in fifth grade. She's in the middle. This is 390 marbles. Same principle. I pull one out every weekend. When we get to June of 2030, that is her graduating class, that one will be empty. 
Now this is the hard one when I put this one together. This is Grace. Grace is a seventh grader. There are 284 marbles in this. Grace, as I said, is a teenager as of yesterday. We've survived to the teen years. We'll see if we make it through. There's not a lot of marbles in this one. The difference for me from a third grader to a seventh grader was astounding. Take one out every week, high school graduation, it's empty. So we wanna make a positive and lasting impact in our children in the limited time that we have with them, especially the limited time that they are young and in our homes. But how do we do that? What does it look like? What biblical principles can we find and apply? And I was thinking about this, I had this thought of, you know who's a father? God's a father, right? God's a parent. Jesus is God's son. And we see during Jesus' life on earth, there's this beautiful parental moment. And I think we can actually pull a lot out of that. So we're gonna start there. It happens in the gospel account that Matthew wrote. He provides us with this first-person perspective on Jesus' baptism. Now, Jesus, he asked John the Baptist to baptize him, which given John's name, it feels like he made a really good choice. Like, that's the right person to ask. But John, he kind of pushes back. He's keenly aware of how unworthy he is to baptize the Son of God. Jesus, though, he insists. He's like, John, listen, this has to be done to fulfill God's plan, his righteous plan for my life. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and then this happens in Matthew 3, 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Now quick note, you saw the baptism tank. If you wanna see baptisms, you gotta come back at 11, all right? Just, uh, that's what it is, uh, you gotta be back. None of you guys signed up, so I don't know. Talk to you yourselves, uh, but 11 o'clock, we will have some baptisms. I know you love those and they're there. A couple things happen here though. Sometimes we miss this. It's this really important moment of the life of Jesus here on earth. But we gloss over is this moment between a parent and a child. I mean, the heavens open up, right? And the spirit of God descends. It's this powerful moment. If you were there, you would remember that. But you might miss that in this moment, God the Father demonstrates for us some really important things that we as parents, that we as people trying to impact children can learn from and emulate. So from that passage, let me give you three things that your kids need to hear from you their entire lives. They need to hear that you claim them. They need to hear that you love them, and they need to hear that you are proud of them. Now, it's interesting. In the song, Michael said it this way, I'm always going to lift you up. I'm never going to let you down. No matter what you do, I'm forever proud of you. I love you forever now. There's a lot of overlap in those two things. But our kids have an inherent need to hear some things from their parents, to know these things on a really deep level. And they need to hear that you claim them. Now, that doesn't just mean when the service is done, you take your tag back down there and you get them, right? You claim them in that way, please. We love having them. And then we love when you take them at the end. Uh, but it's something like, I'm so glad that you're my son. I'm so glad that you are my daughter. That's my girl. That's my boy. However it sounds, it is an important thing for kids to know. I'm so glad that God entrusted me to be your father or your mother. When my girls were little, I'd put them to bed at night and I would tell them every night if I could line up all the little girls in the whole wide world and pick one out to be my very own, I would choose you, right? That was my way of saying, I claim you and I'd pick you and I love getting to be your dad, which led to Kinsley saying to me one night, and I had to look this up. She was almost three. It was actually eight years ago today because I write stuff like this down. I told Kinsley that. I said, Kinsley, if I could line up all the little girls in the whole wide world and pick one out to be my very own, I would choose you. 
And I started to leave and she said, Dad, wait. If I could choose one dad in the whole wide world, I'd pick you, my dada. And I bought her a pony that day, right? <laughs> I was like, what do you need? What do you want? Just name it. Someday when we're buying her a house, my other girls would be like, what the heck? I'm like, well, listen, when she was two, She's always been very emotionally intelligent that way. Your children need to hear that you claim them. Your children need to hear that you love them as well. They need to hear it early. They need to hear it often. They need to hear it whether or not your parents told you that when you were growing up, whether or not your parents tell you that now. They need to hear it even if it makes your throat feel a little weird right here, right? It makes your eyes a little moist when you say it. Don't deny your children the privilege of knowing that they are loved. Don't say things like, well, I mean, they know I, they know I love them, right? They know I love them. Don't do the, oh, I mean, I don't say it with my words, but my actions show them that I love them. Like, yeah, show them with your actions and tell them with your words too. All those excuses are cowardly. You can do it. You can overcome your own background. You can overcome the wounds of your childhood and you can say it. You can tell them that you love them. I promise you, you can. I believe in you. I decided very clearly on one specific day that if God ever gave me children, that they were not going to be able to grow up and have the excuse, well, my dad never told me that he loved me. Well, he did, I knew he did, he just couldn't say it. I decided my kids were not gonna be able to say that. And I remember practicing with my dogs, right? I would tell my dogs that I love them because I was like, someday I'm gonna have kids and I gotta tell the kids, I gotta get ready. So I'd be like, all right, buddy, I love you. You're a good boy, have a good night. Now I try and tell my girls that all the time. Not just when they're going to bed, not just when they're leaving for school, because our kids, they need to hear it, they need to know it. Even if you think they know it, they need to hear it again. And the longer you don't say it, the more awkward it's gonna get when you try to say it. So I would recommend just starting now. And your kids also need to hear that you're proud of them. I understand you probably won't always be proud of everything that they do, and that's not what I'm saying. But find the things that you are proud of and make sure that you tell them. Last Saturday, was a, it was a tough day for our family. We said goodbye to Mulligan. He was our chocolate lab, 13 and a half years old, uh, you know, lived a beautiful, full life, and had been there literally the entire lives of all three of our girls. It was a tough day. Uh, but we're there with the vet and our house and our whole families kind of gathered together on the couch, and I was so proud of my girls. I was proud of them for how they hung in there, right? Because that's hard, man. I forgot how hard that was. I knew it was going to be hard. I forgot how hard it was going to be. But they hung in there, right? And they did something emotionally really difficult, and they cared for each other. They loved each other well in the midst of that loss, and I saw it. And as hard as it was, as a dad, it was beautiful, and I was so proud of them. And so I made sure to tell them, right? I made sure to tell them that. I'm proud of myself right now for not getting choked up when I just went through that, right? I try to make sure that I don't just tell them I'm proud of high achievement things. You know, that, that's a, a thing that you want to be care <clears throat> careful with. That was not crying. My throat's dry. My throat's dry. I just want you to know that. You know, I was proud of my daughter, Grace, because she ran cross country this fall. I wasn't proud of her because she was the best runner on the team. I was proud of her because she did something new that's really difficult and showed a lot of discipline. Proud of her for playing basketball, for making the team when, you know, 20 kids got cut. But again, it's because she's doing something difficult. It's not because she's the best player on the team. That's my caution to you. Try to be careful with how you use being proud of your children. Yes, they need to hear it. You know, yeah, if your kid drops 20 points on a rival school, obviously you're proud of them, right? But don't let them feel like they have to have some big, huge success for you to be proud of them. That starts to tie your love and their worth and how they see themselves into achievement. And that's a dangerous thing. 
Be proud of them when they go two for 10, but they play hard on defense, even though they're having an off night. I think sometimes that actually means more that you're proud of them even when they don't play well. Be proud of them when they get 100 on a test, but also be proud of them when they study really hard for a subject that doesn't come nearly as easily to them and get an 85. Just be proud of your kids. And then again, be careful how we tie that. We don't want our kids growing up thinking they have to earn or achieve our love. So God, he modeled this well for us. He modeled these things that our kids need to hear their entire lives, that we claim them, that you love them, and that you're proud of them. And yes, your adult kids need to hear that too. Your adult kids would benefit from hearing this. Don't do this and then just stop when they're 14 or 18 or when they get married because I've given you this quote before. I will probably give it to you again because I think it's so important. The goal of parenting is not really about childhood. Andy Andrews said the goal is not to raise great kids. It is to raise kids who become great adults. And this is really, really important to keep in front of you while you're parenting because oftentimes these can be two different things. I have a child who has challenged and questioned and pushed back on pretty much everything since day one. She is so driven and so determined and so fierce. And when you face those traits in a three-year-old, it is exhausting, right? It's exhausting. But those are actually good traits to have as an adult, right? Those are good things. I wanna hire people who are driven and determined and fierce. I wanna hire people that push themselves and others to always be their best. And so we didn't wanna try to discipline those things out of her when she was young, just because it would make us look like better parents and it would make our lives as parents easier. So try to keep your eyes down the road when you need those reminders. Try to have a long-term horizon. It is possible that your five-year-old has executive leadership skills. And I know, I know that when you're telling them to do something, you just want them to listen and conform right now. But when they're a bit older and a bunch of their peers are doing stupid stuff, you will be so glad that you raised a kid who doesn't conform. Just a, a quick little detour of encouragement because there are people here that needed to hear that. We need to hear that. We still do. And we need the help and the support and the encouragement of the church as we raise our kids. That's why we've articulated the mission of Northgate Kids this way, that our goal is to partner with you to help your children grow in their knowledge of and love for Jesus, right? Our goal isn't just to keep them out of here for an hour so it's a little more quiet, right? I mean, that's, that's not it. We work hard to do this. Becca and her team work hard to make this a place that your kids love to come but also a place where they can grow in their knowledge of and love for Jesus. But whenever we say that, I don't want you to miss that it's a partnership. It is us and you together. I mean, first you gotta get them here. You gotta get them here. And I understand, I know that can be challenging. I know kids are sick. Thank you for not bringing your kids here when they are sick. I know people travel. My kids will miss four or five Sundays at Northgate this year because of trips that we're on. But I always strongly encourage you to get them here whenever you can get them here. But also know, even if you decide to come every single Sunday, that that's not going to be enough. It just isn't. It's not going to be enough. You can't say, well, my kids spent 40 hours at church last year, so I think, I think we're good, right? We came 40 Sundays. They're here 40 hours. They should be all set. Not when they're in school 1,000 hours a year. Not when they watch YouTube for an hour a day. I mean, even if you're super committed to being here, the percentages just aren't in your favor that church will be one of the biggest influencers in their lives because of the schedule. And that's the other place that being partners comes in. 
As parents, you have to constantly be looking for times, looking for places, looking for opportunities to teach your kids about Jesus. You have to find these pockets in the schedule where you can tell them about the love that God has for them. We can't do that on our own as a church. That is you as parents and us as your church together. And my favorite place where this is made really clear in Scripture is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You recognize this as the passage, one of the passages that we read when we're doing dedications, right? We're dedicating kids. We're talking about how we want to raise them, what we want to do as parents. And we read this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Look at that. In those verses, there are four very clear times, four pockets in your schedule where we should be deliberately trying to teach our kids about God's love. What did this say? When should parents teach their kids about God's love? It said, when you sit at home. So that's when you're at home. I didn't have to do a lot of interpretation on that, right? When you're at home, look for these opportunities. Mealtime is a great opportunity. Look for the chance to point things to God. Ask good questions. Ask questions like, did anyone see God at work today? Like in your life, as you're out there, did you see God do something? Did anyone have a prayer that was answered? Is there a prayer you prayed and then during the day you saw God answer it? Or ask them, what are you praying for right now, right? And if they say Legos, right, you got a little theological work to do, like that we can do that, right? And you can get there. But if you have those conversations, those conversations that are intentional and meaningful, and if you can, if you have time, I would recommend you try to do this before their teens and preteens. And their default answer to any question you ask them is one word, like, fine, nothing, good, right? You're gone. You go to school from like 7.30 to 3, and then you have practice from 3 to 5. And I pick you up at 5 o'clock and ask you how your day was, and it's fine. That's it. That's what you got for like 10 hours. All you got is fine. That's fine. Okay. Next one, when you walk along the road. We don't do as much walking. Usually we are in the car, right? When you're in the car, that's an opportunity. Take advantage of that time that you're in the car. I know you can be in the car a lot. We, uh, we just fell right into that taxi driving phase of parenting. It happened really quick. I looked up and all we were doing was picking kids up from practices, taking them to games, home from games, to school, back from school, home from play practice, to a friend's house, home from a friend's house. And I see why parents celebrate their oldest child getting their driver's license, right? They're like, not only can you drive yourself, now you get to drive your siblings too. It's payback time, baby, right? We're not there yet. And I don't want to teach any kids to drive. Pastor DL made a great point. A couple weeks ago, I told you, I can't even ride in the car unless I'm driving, right? If my wife, who's a very good driver, is driving, I can't. And he came up to me afterwards and said, have fun teaching your kids how to drive. And I was like, oh my God, just immediate. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to have to Three years, I will be hiring someone to teach my children how to drive. But make the most of those times in the car when you have them, right? Ask good questions and look for the opportunity to point them to Jesus and to God's love. It said, when you lie down, that's one of the times. So during your bedtime routine, that's a time to point them to God. Hopefully this is more than just the, now I lay me down to sleep, right? Which is the most dark and morbid kids poem that has ever been written. Ask them if their hearts are clear. Ask them, is there anybody that you need to forgive from the day? Is there anything you need to get off your chest about today? Is there anything about the day ahead, anything about tomorrow that you're feeling anxious about that we can pray for? 
Again, be deliberate and be intentional. And then the last one, it said, when you get up. So during your morning routine, it's a time to point your kids towards God's love. Now listen, I get three kids up and out and on the bus almost every single morning. So I'm not gonna try to paint some rosy, unrealistic picture of doing family devotions at the table together before the bus comes because I'm in the trenches, man. I'm in there with you and I'm just hoping that no one misses the bus, that when everybody gets on the bus, their teeth are brushed and that they have everything that they need for the day so I don't have to drive to school before I can drive to work the opposite direction. But even in that busyness, even then we can be deliberate. Let me give you just two, two quick ways, two ways that I think work in my mind. One is to demonstrate it for them. Let them see you reading your Bible, doing your devotions. If you're at the table or a desk or a chair, wherever you are with your coffee and your Bible, even if you finished reading, don't be in a hurry to put your Bible away so that they can see that being modeled. You know, I had, uh, I think it was Kinsley said, because Amy is a prolific reader, like 75 or so, like big novels a year. She just, she reads a lot. And uh, Kinsley said a little bit ago, a couple of yeah, years or so ago, she was like, dad doesn't read except for the Bible. The only thing I ever see him reading is the Bible. And I was like, okay, well, one, I do read, but two, I'm okay with that, right? It's the only thing you ever see me read. They get up and they're gonna say, we saw our dad read his Bible, demonstrate it for them. And then number two, just be mindful about what you're putting into their minds and to your minds, especially in the morning. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be a house that has sports center on in the morning and still be a godly household. You can do that. But I would really encourage you to try to put worship music on in your house or in your car in the morning. I mean, I listen to a fair amount of secular music. I enjoy a lot of different kinds of music. But especially in the morning, I find worship music, I find Christian music to be really beneficial in setting the tone for the day ahead. I mean, on the way home from work, I might be listening to Weezer or Metallica, but on the way in, it's, it's Hillsong, it's Bethel, it's Passion, it's Brothers McClurg, obviously, Anthony, love Brothers McClurg. Because here's one of the things I would love for you to take away from this message. Whether you're in the stage where you're parenting kids 24-7, whether you're like me and you feel like, man, this is just slipping through our fingers, right? It's just going too quickly. Or you are somebody that's just trying to influence kids that are not your own. Loving Jesus well will make us better at this. It will, loving Jesus well will make us better at this. Andy Stanley regularly says something like this. He said, loving Jesus well will make our lives better and will make us better at life. Now that sounds a little magic pilly and it's, it's not, but here's what I've found. Here's what I've found is if I have my list of priorities, if I put being a good father as the first thing on my list and then I try to plug other things in, right? Like be a good father, be a good husband, be a good pastor, love Jesus well. If I do that, it doesn't move anything else on the list. But when I put loving Jesus well first on that list, it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better pastor. When I put those things in the right order, if I switch it up and put anything else first, it doesn't improve the rest. But if we seek Jesus first, or as Matthew said later in his gospel in chapter six, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be given to you as well. I mean, do you think that God wants you to be a good mother or a good father for your children, a good aunt, a good uncle, a good teacher? Absolutely, of course he does. He loves those children even more than we do, as crazy as that is to think. So this is really what it all comes back to for us. I hope that this message will help you be more deliberate as a parent. I hope that it might help some of you find some of the words that are buried inside of you that you've been depriving your children of. I hope that you'll say, man, you know, we don't have a lot of time left. We better do everything that we can to love our children well and to point them to the love that Jesus has for them.
But the takeaway of a message at Northgate is never just try harder, right? It's never just try harder. We are not a self-help church. You've heard me say before that the church I grew up in, I felt like every message was God is good, you are bad, try harder, like have a great day, you can go. But they were really long. Somehow we made that like an hour message. But that is not the message of Jesus. That's not the message of the gospel. So I would, I would encourage you, if you feel like you're falling short as a parent or you just feel like you want to do a bit better, don't just focus on being a better parent. Focus on loving Jesus better. Because when his love forms us and shapes us, it makes us better parents. It has to. When God's love really begins to change who we are, it makes us more patient. It makes us more grace-filled. It makes us more loving. When we have a deep and real love for Jesus, it shapes us. And no one sees that more than your kids see that. And when we aren't patient, when we aren't grace-filled, when we aren't loving, no one sees that more than our kids see that as well. You're gonna have a really hard time pointing them to the love of Jesus if you don't really have that love in your own life. So seek him first. Put him first. Make him first, and then ask him for those things. Ask him for those things. Say, God, help me to be the kind of father, the kind of mother that my children need me to be today. God, give me the courage to tell them that I love them and that I'm proud of them, even though I didn't hear those things as much as I needed as a kid. God, help me to raise kids who know and love you. Give me the strength to deliberately point them to that today. He's looking for parents who will pray those prayers. He loves our kids. He loves our kids so much, and he's entrusted us to raise them, to influence them, to impact them, but it will be done like that. It'll be done in a snap, it'll be over. And you'll look and the jars will be empty. The marbles will be gone, the weekends will be done, the high school graduations will come and the graduation parties will come and you'll be packing up boxes and moving them out and we can spend the rest of our lives thanking God for the time that we've had in those stages or regretting that we took them for granted. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the children in our lives. God, for our children, for our nieces and nephews, Lord, for the grandchildren, God, for the different young lives that you've given us the opportunity to impact. And God, I pray that we never take a single day of it for granted. God, it can be hard. God, I pray for the people. There are people in here right now who feel like they are barely keeping their head above water as they try to parent young children. God, they're tired. They were up three or four times in the night and they're struggling. And God, just give them a renewed sense of your love for them and of your love for their children. God, give them the energy and the passion that it takes to love their children well today and then do it again tomorrow. God, give them strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow as they parent these children. God, I pray we would never take a single day of it for granted, even the hard days, God, because we will look up and it will go far faster than we ever anticipated. So help us to love our kids well, Lord, to claim them, to let them know we love them, to let them know we're proud of them. God, help us to deliberately point them to you and to Jesus and to the great love that you have for them. God, I pray that you would do this through us, God, because we're seeking you first. You do it through us, and God, you would impact our children for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. You did it, Tara. Tara told me she didn't know if she could listen to that message and then sing that song and not cry through it. And I was like, oh, you can. My motherly hormones are still trying to level out. I can't even look over here. You you have a lot of marbles in your jars, right? You got a lot of marbles still. But that means you get a lot less sleep than we do at night. So that's the trade-off, right? Let me give you a takeaway. And it's that some stages of parenting, they feel like they will last forever. 
but they never do. So make it your goal to not take a single day for granted. And go today in the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week and we will see you next weekend. Thank you.